for those tough wake-ups. Stats are misleading. It's Marsh and Mello. Major foul. Wake up to serious sports talk. He fist his head. It's Marsh. The CFL, baby. And Mello. I love Ken. It's Marsh and Mello. This is football. For those tough wake-ups. They're heating up. It's Marsh and Mello. Coming your way, Hamilton. Wake up to serious sports talk. Gas tank on before. It's Marsh in Canada and Mellow. Why not, eh? It's Marsh and Mellow. Thank you, Canada. Everybody's doing it. Hi, uh, it's Marsh and Mellow. Thank you for being here with us and being a part of the program. As always, he is at Kyle underscore Mellow underscore underscore Kyle Mellow underscore Mellow underscore Kyle, right? That's where you, people can find yeah. you, Kyle? Yeah, I got to change it. Uh, the, two, the double <laughs> underscore really annoys me. I should just uh, put, honestly, I should put the two underscores side by side in the middle. Hmm. So then it's Kyle, at Kyle, double underscore mellow. Yeah, it's not bad. I think Ben Grant did that. And, but it's when you have the two underscores side by side, it always makes me wonder whether it's like one big hyphen that got dropped down or how does it? I don't know, oh, yeah. man. I'm not sure. I, I actually, the underscore, I think, is overrated. I think it's been overused. That's my hot take on uh, on punctuation over the last 10 years. The underscore being used in usernames has leaked its way into common society. And man. It's been overused. It's it's a crutch now. There's a lot of other buttons yeah. on this keyboard in front of me. Why did we just decide that the underscore was king, you know? Yeah, I know. Um, and then Twitter, like, limits certain characters that you can't use. Like, you can't use the money sign in your in your hashtag or your, your account. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd be down for that. But Twitter, you can fix all of this by just deleting accounts that people haven't used in 10 years. <laughs> like, the dude that has at Kyle Mello literally is a new york knicks fan from new york his last tweet he tweeted about landry fields when he was on the knicks landry fields was on the raptors and now is no longer in the nba (laughs) that's so bad i don't even know can you look up who else was on that roster with landry fields i'd like to just get a shout out to that knicks era if possible but (laughs) while you do that i'll let people know about our uh, our good friends of course at Fox 40, we are brought to you at CFP by Fox 40 and all the good people over there at fox40shop.com. You can check out their latest innovations, the Fox 40 Tri-Layer Whistle Mask. The, uh, of course, trying to return to play safely. And Fox 40 has been a big part of that for a lot of people who love football around the country. 15% off on Fox 40 products. Go to fox40shop.com and enter the promo code CFP15. And of course, getting ourselves ready for the CFL season here as we are about I mean, as of today, two weeks from now, we'll be talking about the recap of the Ticats and the Bombers from the Grey Cup rematch, the opener on August 5th. And if you would like to get yourself some beers to be able to enjoy CFL football, then use the promo code CFL on sawdustcitybeer.com. Our good friends up there in Gravenhurst, Ontario, uh, just got some new stuff for the month of July and leading into August. It's a Coriolis effect. It's got some of their kettle sours. It's nice. Beautiful stuff. I have to admit, when we last did the podcast, Kyle, uh, I was enjoying a lot of the Sada City beers using that promo code CFL on SadaCityBeer.com. I came home and Mia, my stepdaughter, who did not come up to the cottage with us, she looked directly at Marlene, my fiance, and said, did, um, did Marshall get a beer belly while you guys were gone? And Marlene was like, yes, absolutely. He did. It was, <laughs> it was noticeable. In a single week, I went from looking shapen to looking misshapen. Uh, very quickly, but it was because the beers were very good and the weather was beautiful and we had a great cottage week. So uh, I've spent the last four days going for runs. 
trying to uh, expunge my body of all of the toxins that I put into it, but eh, they were tasty toxins. So uh, not sure if that's a great promo for our friends at Soda City, but hey, use the promo code CFL and uh, let them know that we've got some love. I know one of our listeners uh, DM me the other day, Ryan, and said uh, that he's up there in Northern Ontario and that he was putting in an order uh, today because he wanted to get beer. He was going away to the cottage on August 4th. And he's like, I wanted to have beer to watch the opening weekend of the CFL season. And I thought, well, I could obviously yeah. just drop into the LCBO and buy something or go to the beer store. Mm-hmm. But he said, I wanted to buy beer from people who cover CFL football to enjoy my CFL football with kind of like a, you know, a big circle that he was trying to complete there. So, yeah. uh, so he used the promo code and uh, we're hoping that everybody out there will use it as well. And let Solid City know how much you appreciate them supporting us through six months without actually having football to talk about because we are right around the corner from getting there. Do you have that Knicks roster? I do. Wonderful. Um, Carmelo <laughs> was yeah, the star of that team. Uh, Ronaldo Balkman. Remember that guy? Was he the dude with the dreads? Yeah, he had dreads. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chauncey Billups was Chauncey, on that team. Chauncey was a Nick? Yeah. I do um, not remember Chauncey Billups, the New York <laughs> Knickerbocker. That was towards the end of his career. He bounced around a lot towards the end of his career. Um, Derek Brown, no idea who that is. Nope. Anthony Carter, mm, nope. <laughs> Tony Douglas, uh, a little bit. Landry Fields, yeah. uh, Jared Jeffries, yes, recognize yes. that name. Former Toronto Raptor, great. Roger Mason. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Roger, Roger Mason had the super droopy eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, another guy on this roster, Andy, don't call me Leo Routens. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, what a weird team this was. Like, I, I don't know the eras of who was constructing this. I think this is probably before Phil. It might have been when Phil was in there, but it's just like, how are we constructing this? Because this definitely ain't the Glenn Grunwald team, right? Like, that, yeah. was, that was a whole different era. Uh, Amare Stoudemire. Yep. Um, Ronnie Turiaf, remember him? Oh, I do. Man, uh, they, Bill they, Wall. They, they had Ronaldo Bachman and Ronnie Turiaf on the same team. That seems like overkill. There's no need for both of I those know. bodies on a Is team. It, yeah, it's the same player, right? <laughs> um, uh, Bill Walker, no idea who that is. Uh, Sean Williams, he was probably in the Vince Carter trade. Mm-hmm. Sheldon Williams, he was also probably in the Vince Carter trade. <laughs> if it was a Williams, it was in the VC trade, yes. Absolutely. Um, and then they put a note on this roster, on this Wikipedia roster. Um, players who left during the season, and there was a lot. Uh, Kalene Azabuke, remember that guy from the Warriors? He was on yeah. the Warriors before they were good. Yeah. <laughs> he was on like the Mark Jackson-led. He was also <laughs> an, ex- an extremely Ronaldo Bachman type player as well. So again, they were just stockpiling <laughs> these weird power forwards <laughs> that were physical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Wilson Chandler was on that team. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Curry on that team. Uh, I'm trying to remember what school this guy went to. Was he a North Carolina guy? Raymond Felton? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was UNC point guard. UNC, war, yeah. War, war number uh, two. Hey, this guy's still in the NBA and still producing. Danilo Gallinari. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Man, there was a ton of guys that left during the season for the Knicks <laughs> in 2010-2011. Yeah. The, the uh, Timothy have- Mozgov. Remember Timothy Mozgov? It was when everybody's salaries just got this huge bump because of that new TV <laughs> deal. And Timothy Mozgov got signed by, I think it was the Brooklyn Nets. And he got signed for like $14 million a year. I'm like, this guy averages three and a half points a game. Uh, Are you? And it was a contract that the team just had to eat. 
because Timothy Mozgov did absolutely <laughs> nothing. Uh, yeah, and that, then uh, that was Anthony also Randolph the, is the last one. That was also the era where like the TV money started to get bumped up, and there were dudes getting paid money left, right, and center because oh, the, yeah, because I was I'm reading Sprawl Ball right now, and uh, by Kirk Goldsbury talking about the evolution of the three pointer and how it's changed the way the NBA has been played. And when uh, you're reading through that, he makes this amazing point about uh, basically like your low post power forward types that were super efficient shooters from the high block area. And I mean, like uh, an Eddie Curry or a Kalina as a bookie or like those guys that were rebounders and they could give you the odd baseline J for two. They became useless. Like they, they complete, they went from being guys that could play in the league and make a couple million worth of dollars to the point where if you were a significantly less athletic, less, talented defender who really couldn't pass the ball, but you could bomb it from 25 feet plus congratulations. You're now getting the $10 million contract instead of the efficient low post, uh, you know, drop step rebounding power forward because the game got smaller and the game got spread out more than ever. And I think honestly segue to the NBA finals here. I think that's what we just saw a bunch of too with the bucks where it's like, they spent so much time trying to build themselves around Giannis doing it the old school way. And then it was like, no, they, they got helped through the playoffs by Chris Middleton being, yes, long guy, but not great defender, not fantastic passer. Like, he didn't do a whole lot else for you than get those shots up from beyond the arc. And they spaced the floor with guys like Pat Connaughton and the rest coming into the game. It's like, yeah, Giannis is a throwback player, but everything they surround him with is not. I think you're on mute there, Kyle. <laughs> I was going to say it was, you know, it's interesting watching that NBA finals because it was like a tale of two completely different set of games. Mm -hmm. First two games, Phoenix jumps on Milwaukee and everybody's talking, you know, on first take and undisputed. And they're like, Giannis is overrated and Giannis is this and Giannis is that Milwaukee will never win with Giannis as the number one go-to guy. Turn around four games later, Milwaukee are NBA champions. Why? Because the Milwaukee Bucks, just wore down a Phoenix Suns team that had no depth. They had no depth in the front court. One, the, I think it was game five. Uh, DeAndre Ayton played 44 minutes, and he had nothing left towards the end of the game when they needed him the most. You can't play games like that, right? You know, we always want to talk about superstars and, you know, super teams. The super teams in, you know, at crucial times in, you know, series and in games are lifted by those around the superstars. Every single team is like that. Look at the Toronto Raptors. They had guys, you know, Norm Powell would come off the bench in in that playoff run and give the Raptors energy and points. And you need that so Kawhi Leonard can get, you know, six, seven minutes of rest. That's important. Uh, And, you know, uh, for example, like the the Golden State Warriors, that was as, you know, a super team as we've ever seen. Kevin Durant on that team, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Steph Curry. Sean Livingston was huge for that team. Sean Livingston, like at times made that team go. And that's what you need to do. You need to build, you know, a a group of players that mesh together. And at times you're going to have a guy that you you didn't expect step up, you know, lift you over the top. And and I think Milwaukee did that as well. And, you know, uh, looking at that series, uh, Drew Holiday in the first two games against Phoenix, he was bad. Then game three, something turned for him and it completely turned that series. Drew Holiday all of a sudden was dropping 25 points and Phoenix just couldn't match. Chris Paul, you know, got worn down and you can tell Devin Booker maybe a little bit in game six. Um, DeAndre Ayton, definitely. 
I think, uh, you know, something underlying that affected that series that we need to talk about. Dario Saric, when he went down in game one, that hurt the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Anybody watching that will say, eh, it's Dario Saric. Yeah, but Dario Saric was the guy to give DeAndre Ayton rest. He goes down, and now they have nobody. You have Frank Kaminsky. Well, yeah, and Kaminsky that's... actually played well in game six, but that was like the first time they played him in the series. I think you know, Monty Williams probably should have played him earlier in the series to give DeAndre Ayton that rest. Look, Frank Kaminsky is not great, but he came in and he gave you some points, so we'll see what happens. Moving forward for Phoenix, then that team might change Chris Paul an option out by the way chris paul is due like 40 million dollars why the hell would he ever option out of that yeah i know but again he could sign a two-year deal somewhere else like los angeles for the lakers where he's making like two years 60 million um if the lakers want to do that i don't know yeah that's an interesting question too for kind of contract structure and the way that his career will try to if i were him i would stay in phoenix because you got eight and you got Devin Booker doing their thing and they can surround those three with some decent pieces as well and just kind of tweak it, and try to get better. But I think for me, whether you're an NBA fan or not, if you come to this podcast, because you love the CFL, which we're going to get to that stuff in a second here. But when I, I look at the, the takeaways from this series, there's two of them. One is that um, whether or not you like basketball or you like Giannis or otherwise, it's so much fun to watch greatness. Like we, and you know, you're watching greatness in the moment and to get to, you know, for me, I grew up as a basketball junkie. So to see them win their first championships in 71, when, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Lou Elsinder was doing his thing with the Bucks. Wasn't is, Rick Barry on that team? I think so, yeah. But you see these images of, of Kareem holding the championship trophy in 1971. And for me, I remember growing up as a kid and thinking, first and foremost, the Bucks. Who the hell are the Bucks? Like, as you, because as you're growing up as a kid, you're watching every week the Celtics and the Lakers and the, the Knicks, and it's always the big cities and the big names, and the big teams, and the big stars. And, and Milwaukee, the only thing I knew about them my whole life growing up was I had seen a picture of Kareem Abdul Jabbar holding up the trophy in an old book and Ray Allen. That was it. Like, that's what I associate with the Milwaukee Bucks as a franchise. And they get Giannis, and he comes in, and he's this kid from Greece by way of Nigeria, and he's building up his career and he's winning this award and that award. But then it's like, I'm watching him live in Toronto in person when the Raptors beat the Bucks, swept him or whatever, five games uh, back when the Raptors were in the playoffs three, four years ago. And I just remember thinking like, this guy is like, not that he's never going to do it, but I just thought he's such an interesting talent, but I just don't know how this wins a championship. And maybe the answer to how it wins the championship is that they stack the bodies on top of each other for the television dollars to try and go ahead and play two seasons way too close together. And everybody gets worn down. There's a bunch of bad injuries and what COVID, right? Uh, yeah. Just crazy, a crazy scenario where that ends up happening. But to watch what he did in the finals where I've always wanted to see Giannis have like a moment and, and a series of moments, because I just thought he has everything. He just doesn't have moments and he just doesn't have like iconic, you know, MJ going up, and underneath on the Lakers, or he doesn't have LeBron being able to have the block at the rim against Andre uh, Iguodala when he was going up, right? It's There's these things that you take, okay, if you're the greatest player of your generation, you have to have moments, kind of like Heisman moments where people say, you know, specific things like Johnny Menzel fumbling the ball around at Alabama and then being able to find somebody down the field. That That's part of the reason why you win these awards and why you become memorable. And Giannis had those moments. Like he had several of those moments in this series on top of the just insane stat lines that he was putting up game in, game out, even in the games that they lost, they weren't bad stat lines by him. It was just that the things surrounding him 
if they missed a bunch of threes, then yeah, if Chris Middleton's not hot, then they're not going to be successful. So that was my first takeaway was just yeah. appreciating greatness in the moment and watching it in the moment was really fun. And the other thing was that I hope that Giannis becomes the counterculture to the super teams. And yep. I don't, I don't think that he will. I think that it's wishful thinking. I still think people are going to go to big markets and big names are going to want to play together, but to watch Giannis defiantly basically laugh at everybody around the NBA for doing the super team stuff. Cause Boston's supposed to be super team. You got Tatum and you got Brown and you're going to add in Kyrie. Oops. Kyrie didn't work. Well, he's going to go to Brooklyn. He's going to bring in super team Durant. Then they're going to get Harden, And then, Oh, that didn't work out this year. And then it's just like, everybody's going, well, let's just throw three people together, get some pieces, sprinkle it in. It'll work. And Giannis was sitting there saying like, I'm just going to resign. I'll just keep coming back. We'll just keep tinkering. You know, we'll change our coach a couple of times. Yeah. And that patience and understanding of what it takes to win a championship. Uh, I appreciate that so much because my general disposition on sports a lot of the time these days is, man, if, if it's not instant gratification, we just give up on it. We just don't want to talk about it. We don't care about it. But Giannis was the counterculture to that. It slow played it, developed, worked on his own game, added a bit more of a shot. Obviously still had some free throw issues, but in the final game, he goes like 17 of 19. Uh, which was so great, Kyle. I saw a tweet from a bar uh, in Phoenix that said they are giving out free shots to the entire room every time Giannis hits a free throw. And somebody quote tweeted it after the final game, game six, and said, did anyone at this bar survive? Like, have we heard how, this, how the people who went to this bar are doing? Are they alive? Do we have any answers on this? But yeah, so my thing was watching greatness in, in real time and also him being the counterculture to super teams uh, that's what I'll remember forever and ever from this. And now I get to see whether or not Giannis stays, right? Because he's won the championship yeah. in Milwaukee. And when LeBron won the championship in, in Cleveland, it was like, well, I can kind of do whatever, you know, I can move on. And obviously Kareem, after he wins in Milwaukee, different circumstances, completely different era 50 years ago, but he goes to LA and people remember him yeah. for being Kareem in LA with the goggles and the skyhook. They don't remember him for being Lou Elsendor coming out of UCLA and going to the Bucks and winning the championship in his first or second year. So it's yeah. uh, it's whether this is a note in history that sticks forever or is just a flash in the pan remains to be seen, but certainly Giannis had his moment finally. Yeah. So a couple of things to dissect here. Um, one, I just want to mention Rick Barry never played for the Milwaukee Bucks. I was thinking of the wrong 1970s <laughs> kind of irrelevant team that won a championship. Uh, he was Warriors 75 winning okay. the championship, not okay. Bucks 71. I don't know why I went there. Um, why you went deep on 1970s basketball rosters? I'm I don't not know. Sure. Cause that is not my wheelhouse. No. Cause I was going to try to turn it back to Remember our TSN studio? We had that basketball that was signed uh, by Rick yeah. Barry. I thought that was for the 71 Bucks team uh, that because there's like a huge bio on the back, but it wasn't. It was the 75 uh, Warriors team with uh, Rick Barry. But, you know, you mentioned the fact of Giannis's kind of counterculture to the rest of the NBA because he wanted to play in a small market and he's stuck in a small market. And now I'm thinking for the future, at least the near future. This might become the norm, not just because of Giannis. Look around the NBA, Devin Mitchell, Utah. Is there any talk about Devin Mitchell leaving the Utah Jazz? Not really. Look at Devin Booker in Phoenix. Is there any talk about Devin Booker? I'm not trying to compare superstars because those guys still have a ways to go before they reach the level of Giannis, and I understand that. But, but even like Jok Jokic and Murray in Denver is another one. Exactly. Look, that's another one, right? Damian like, Lillard in Portland, yeah, right? Yeah. Damian Lillard is as clutch of a player as there is in the NBA today, right? He has proven multiple times in the playoffs. You can rely on that guy in the last nine minutes of a game to just will you to a victory. 
Is there any talk about Damian Lillard leaving Portland? It's come up at least over the last little while. I think that team is starting to fall a little bit behind CJ McCollum. I don't think is the player for some reason that he was two, three years ago. And I think they need another two. If they can get another person in Portland and all of a sudden CJ McCollum drops to a three, all of a sudden you have a Golden State Warriors situation where, okay, you have the greatness of Damian Lillard. You bring in a solid number two in. And CJ McCollum can kind of be that guy in the background like Clay Thompson was, where he just hits shots over and over and over again. And he's not relied upon to score 25 points a game, um, you know, driving the basketball and facilitating for everybody. Um, But, and I think another thing to bring up in this, once you leave a team once, it's easy to do it again. Look at Kyrie Irving. He left the Cavs, went to Boston. Now he's in Brooklyn. Look at Kevin Durant. He went to Golden State, and he's just like, I'll hop again, and I'll go to Brooklyn. And it's – you're seeing this. James Harden's another one. I know he only left – he didn't ask to leave Oklahoma City, but he went to Houston and then, you know, kicked to Brooklyn. Well, it's only a matter of time until potentially that team wins a championship. Or let's say they never win a championship. Let's say there goes another season where they don't win a championship and all those guys have options to leave. Well – James Harden's going to say, oh, I left once. People already think I'm title chasing already. (laughs) Might as well do it again. Then he just goes to another team. But that's a certain generation of player, right? Like Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Nobody really younger than Kyrie Irving has done it. Now, contract obligations vary for a guy coming out of the draft, becoming a superstar, and wanting that max contract for the team that he was playing for and the team he was drafted by. Um, But that's going to be an interesting scenario to bring up, too where it's, do we see this trend continue for superstar players? Because I think the likes of Damian Lillard, the likes of Nikola Jokic, those guys are superstars. Do they want to go to a Los Angeles or, you know, uh, a New York or Brooklyn um, to win a championship? We'll see. But I think another point I want to bring up, and I saw this after they won the championship, Milwaukee did, Stephen A. Smith talking about, Milwaukee's championship and they brought up a stupid question as they always do would you rather have Giannis's one ring or (laughs) Kevin Durant's two rings and he said well I have a preference he's like Oracle Arena that place was bumping you don't think that Milwaukee was bumping I'm like oh this is what you have you have a Hollywood sensationalism to whatever you're analyzing and it's ridiculous You can ask people, ask Baron Davis how it was to play in California and in Oakland. Oakland's a dump. That place is a dump. Now the stadium has moved to San Francisco, but they haven't won a championship since they went to San Francisco, right? And there's a lot of people that would say, yeah, San Francisco's not that great either. Go ask the San Francisco 49ers. They don't even play in San Francisco. They play outside of San Francisco. Santa Clara, baby. (laughs) Exactly. So like, that's what I'm getting at. Like, this is not always, oh, a California thing or a New York thing. It's, Do you want to play in a good city and for a good fan base? And maybe these younger players are realizing, yeah, I don't want to live in California for whatever reason, high taxes. I'd rather go play in Miami or something like that um, where, yeah, lower taxes. It's a better, you know, maybe a a better environment to raise kids in or or whatever the case may be. But it'll be interesting to see how this plays itself out. The times they are a changing. So are the segments. When we come back on the other side with a passionate opening on all things NBA Finals and Giannis and what it means to be a Milwaukee Buck, uh, I would like to talk about TV, uh, CFL and TSN. (laughs) We're going to dabble into some of that for you. Plus, 
uh, give you a bit of a tease on an interview that I did with Mark Lee, the original OG, one of my favorite OGs when it comes to CFL TV. That's right after this on Marsh and Mellow. Marshall Ferguson here for my friends at Forced to Joni. Yes, they are open and they are back in action. Some of their specials and features coming up over the next couple of weeks. The Triple Bogey Contest Giveaway. $5 tall cans of Triple Bogey Lager and Amber. Every Triple Bogey sold will be a ballot into a draw to win some great golf prizes, including a grand prize of a custom Triple Bogey golf bag. Lamb Spadini on the barbecue on the patio once every couple of weeks. A new summer drink menu, daily drink deals such as Sangria Saturday, Corona Buckets, and $9 Classic Cocktails. For all the information, you can call them at 905-929-5323 or go to forstagioni.ca. For those tough wake-ups. John got drank a beer and then crushed it off the side of his helmet. This was a damn Canada Heritage moment. It's Marsh and Mellow. I've been talking about it for probably five years now, and I finally pulled the trigger, <laughs> saw that beer, chugged it, and crushed it over my head, and that was about it. Listening to Chris Cuthbert giggle in the background of that clip, I think is actually better than listening to John <laughs> Gott talk proudly about smashing the beer off the side of his head. Yeah. By the way, can we shout out Chris Cuthbert for his call? Oh, when the yeah. Lightning won the championship again, who says Lightning doesn't strike twice? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like that's the that's the best line ever. Oh, he's always prepared, always the perfect uh, the man, <laughs> and that's why he is going to be incredibly difficult uh, to replace in the CFL on TSN. They released the uh, the PR statement coming out about what is happening with the TV side for TSN because everybody's wondering what's you know Cuthbert, Cuthbert, Cuthbert's gone, Cuthbert's gone. How are you going to replace it? Uh, Rod Black is covering, I believe, the IIHF Women's World Hockey Championship through the first little while. I actually wondered if Rod Black was going to take some time off because his son just got drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers. No, uh, no, it's uh, uh, yeah. Rod Black. He's going to Titletown. Yeah, and I also, it's, it's <laughs> uh, interesting because uh, I remember talking to Rod a couple of years ago when his son was playing baseball at some lower levels. And the first thing he said to me when I was like, hey, I, like I read an article or I saw a tweet about your kid being really good in baseball. And he just, he said to me, poor kid he's like everybody just keeps asking him about me about me and about tv and he's like i just want him to have his own baseball career i want him to be his own man hey i think he's his own man now he's been drafted he's a first rounder was he not Uh, i believe by milwaukee so he gets to go down and i uh so rod is still on on the calls of some games but uh rod smith is going to jump up and take a bunch of games which i love i think rod smith as a as a voice and a broadcaster is just iconic and i love that he's an offensive lineman calling games from the past because he was a you know lineman at Queens and I we don't have many offensive linemen that are play-by-play guys if you think about it in football like think across a lot of color guys there's exactly there's you know Walby obviously in, in Canada was iconic and you've got um, you know different sides of the line defense or offense whether it's Howie Long or Michael Strahan or some guys that filter in on broadcast like Sarah Goosey used to be down in the end zone for Fox doing some stuff at the same time as he was selling diapers and commercials uh, but the idea of having offensive linemen as play-by-play guys I actually think that it gives you a really interesting perspective and that's just one of the many reasons that I love Rod Smith but uh, so he's going to have a bunch of games Dustin Nielsen who is just a great dude uh, he's going to have a bunch of games uh, Rod's got a couple. I've got one, which I'm super, super excited for and thankful for. Uh, I, I honestly have to pinch myself when I think about it. I've been kind of talking about it with some people for a little while now, and I've been trying to 
pull some uh, some legs at TSN. I think since 2016 was the first time that I said, "Hey, when, when can I do a TV game?" They were like, oh, "Yeah, no," uh, and they just laughed me out of the room because they're, they're like, "What are you? You're, you've been doing this for like a year." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but I, I can do it. I can do." It. Um, and so I've been trying to get my foot in the door and do that, and uh, hopefully it'll. You know, I I got some very very nice texts, which is you know I'm not bringing this up to self congratulate myself. I'm bringing this up because I want to say. Uh, just to everybody who listens to this podcast or checks in on this, just thank you. Because if you've been involved in my growth of understanding the game or being around the league, or if you're a fan who supports the league or any of that, like it's in my view, it's kind of all encompassing. It all goes into uh, being able to kind of help me get to this place that I've always wanted to be. Cause it's a dream to call games on television for the CFL and uh, even, you know, some people that I've talked to since I found out I was going to get an opportunity to call a handful of games uh they they're excited but even honestly there's some people that are pretty big names in the country who tell me damn i'm jealous and i'm like yeah i know like it's a it's a coveted spot it's a special spot and yeah. uh, my job now is to prove that i'm belonging because farhan lalji texted me and he said i'm happy to see you on the roster and get a couple of games here and i said to him well it doesn't mean a damn thing if i suck like if i'm awful at it i'm just never going to do games again so um, the whole point of this is just to say thank you and uh, and I, that I hope everybody tunes in and I hope that uh, you have a hell of a time because yeah. my view on play-by-play has always been, this has always been my own philosophy, whether it's me doing the games or me enjoying football games on any side of the border, is that the play-by-play guy is there to add to your enjoyment of the game, not to get in the way of it, right? And I think that's the philosophy I want to take is I just love the CFL and I want you to love the CFL as much as I do and I want to help you love the CFL as much as I do so let's all go into this together. Just have a hell of a time, watch a football game and have some fun. And I, I hope that that comes across on the broadcast for sure. Yeah. And uh, congratulations, first off, because you deserve it. Um, and you know, I've been a big proponent of, you know, you calling games on, on the TV side for a while and doing stuff on the TV side. And I know at times you were kind of put behind a roadblock uh, because of your radio duties, whether it was the CFL draft and us doing a draft show. <laughs> and it's like, oh. I want to do stuff on TV, but now I can't because I had offers to essentially the- a national radio show. <laughs> yeah, I had offers to do the CFL draft on television. And then there were certain things that got in the way and they were like, no, you're not allowed to do that. I'm like, come on. Like, this will be so much fun if we can just get this off the ground. But I just, I wish that you were doing color with me, Kyle. I think that was, uh, I was trying to sneak you in the back ah, door as my color man. That would have been fun. It's not that crazy. <laughs> I am uh, definitely not qualified uh, to do, uh, to do color, but I'm uh, glad that you uh, pass on the sentiment that you would like to see me uh, beside the booth. I'd probably be petrified of cameras. I hate cameras. That's why I went into radio. I hate TV. I got a face for radio. Let's be honest. Uh, I, I'm happy to announce on this podcast uh, when my first game is, by the way, because I just found out the other day when my first game is, and I, it wouldn't have mattered what, what teams it was, right? Like the fact that you get a game and you just know that it's going to be your call is super exciting. But uh, I also want to share with you how excited I am for the people I'm working with, because this is the fun part of it is, you know, I was out for a dog walk. My phone goes ping and I see the schedule, I start flying through it and trying to Ferguson, Ferguson, Ferguson. Okay, did I get a game? Did I get a game? Did I? And you see it and it's week four that I've got. It is Saturday, August 28th. It's Michael Riley and the BC Lions going into TD Place in Rick Campbell's return to Ottawa to take on <laughs> Paul Lapalise, Mike Benavides, and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, so I've got BC at Ottawa. I got BC at Ottawa coming up <laughs> on uh, Saturday, August 28th. It's a 7 p.m. kickoff. 
the sun is going to be setting in the stands in Ottawa. There's going to be 15,000 plus people there. I hope if everything goes as planned and uh, we're going to be able to have a hell of a time in it. And then on the schedule, I see it's my name. I see the game and I'm like, Oh, and my mind just starts racing. I'm like, I get to call a Michael Riley game. Like I get to talk about Lapalise's first home game. That's Lapo's first home game as the head coach of Ottawa. And I get to do play-by-play for that. I'm like, man, I'm so lucky to get to bring this to people. And, you know, Matt Nichols, how is he going to be received by the crowd the first time he runs off the sideline? Like, we get to bring you that. We get to talk about Rick Campbell coming in after being the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks Grey Cup Championship team. And it's just like all these storylines start going through my head. And then I see who I'm working with. And I'm like, oh, man, Dwayne Ford is my color guy. I get the perfect guy for you. I get Dwayne. I was (laughs) so happy when I got Dwayne Ford as my color guy. And not that I didn't want to work with Von Suter. And I'm sure I'm going to work with Suter and Dunnigan and all this as we go forward. I hope that I work with everybody, but I love Dwayne Ford. Like I just, I like we, we cover the CFL draft together, whether it's through conference calls, usually we meet up at the CFL combine. We sit down, you know, we'll have lunch. We'll talk about what we see in the prospects and that dude bleeds Canadian football like from the lowest levels coaching high school football recently being a Western Mustang going to Vanier Cups being a big time player in the CFL getting drafted high becoming an analyst like covering the draft for years creating his own regional combine it's like Dwayne is just such a real Canadian football dude and he's also such a great broadcaster that I've always wanted to work with him on something, even if it was just, you know, an hour doing a panel show for the CFL draft. I've always wanted to do that with him. And then I saw it was his name and I was like, oh, that's so good. And then I saw the sideline reporter, Matthew Shinetti. I was like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get to throw to Shinetti on the sidelines and he gets to just hit it out of the park. Maybe somebody will throw Shinetti a ball. You never know. That's happened in Ottawa before as well. So uh, the whole thing. And I'm, Michael Riley's his guy. He might do it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> when he's rolling out of bounds and I, I probably have to come up with some sort of call um, for, you know, oh, Michael <laughs> Riley finds his uh, old friend, Matthew Shinetti down there on the sideline. I just wish that we could throw to Shinetti live as the ball's yeah. coming to him and just hear him. I just hope him. Matt Nichols is uh, under center for uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks, because if it's not, it's going to be a depressing game to watch. <laughs> well, you, and you know what? I actually was, it was one of the only things where I was like, ah, man, I wish that was a little bit different is that Ottawa has week one at Edmonton, week three at Saskatchewan, but week two, they have a bye. And I was like, man, I would have loved to have had full three weeks to understand what these guys are about. Uh, Maybe a better chance for Nichols to be held going into the game. But uh, when I I look at the schedule, I saw that for Ottawa and for BC, um, they are the only West team, I believe, that begins on the road for their first couple of games. I think they're at Saskatchewan to start at Edmonton, week yeah. two i think they're home to calgary maybe or home to edmonton week three i might have had the edmonton the calgary game switch but i believe that they've got calgary edmonton and saskatchewan two of those three are on the road and then uh they go on the road to the east and the really cool thing about this too and again i'm so thankful for the opportunity to be a part of all these storylines that i talk about whether it's rick campbell or lapo or Nichols or uh you know bc and ottawa being reshaped and and trying to kind of find out who they are in the first month of the season is that that week week four right before labor day is the first time that a lot of games will be played in the east as well which i really think is going to re-energize the cfl after seeing all of these games where it's east teams playing in the west and east teams playing in the west and west teams playing against west teams in the west and there's just there's no game there's one game that's being played with an east team at home before week four and it is winnipeg at toronto in week three that's the only one. There's no home games in Hamilton. Yeah. No home games in 
And then week four, it's like, well, the East takes center stage. And I thought, okay, well, I'm definitely going to get an East versus East game, maybe a Hamilton versus, uh, you know, Montreal in Montreal or something like that. But um, to get to go to Ottawa, beautiful stadium, incredible crowd environment. The energy in there is going to be sensational. Working with such great people. Uh, you know, I could, I could go on and on about the people behind the scenes that I know that are working there too, whether it's Chris Edwards or, and everybody else that's kind of working in the backgrounds and John Perlberg that does a great job with the stats. Like um, I was just super, super pumped to, to see the roster come out and, and just to start to think about the opportunities of how we can make that broadcast just incredible for people to enjoy the CFL returning to the nation's capital once again, after it's, you know, it, it leaves in the past with, uh, you know, the Rough Riders and comes back with the Renegades and then it leaves the Renegades and it returns with the Red Blacks. And then this is kind of like the fourth return to me. This is Red Blacks football yeah. going down and out because you think about it as well, like 28, really 2016, 17, 18, because obviously 2015, they get to the Grey Cup right in their second year and Edmonton kind of knocks the doors off them. Then you end up going 16, they win, Hank retires. 17, 18, it's Elizondo alongside, uh, you know, Trevor Harrison. And they get an opportunity to, in 17, uh, get very deep in the playoffs. In 18, they go back into the Grey Cup. And they get beat by Calgary. And uh, But it's it's just one of those things where they've had 19, where they weren't as successful as they wanted to be because the quarterback play was just abysmal. 2020 is off, and they're going to come back into that stadium. And I just think it's going to be an incredible environment. Um, down in the press release. Did you see the other thing in the last part of the press release? Um, that God. is uh, noteworthy. I actually haven't uh, read, the, read the press release yet. Okay, so at the bottom of the press release, apparently there's a new song. Oh, I know. the CFL on TSN. It's our guy, Stephen Leo. Uh, I know, it's our dude. Yeah, so uh, in the background- He used to tell us stories about you know singing to girls at the Audi dealership after hours <laughs> when he snuck them in. Man, I forgot that we did that interview with him. Yeah, he was- Oh, he, he was gold. He was a really good interview. And I actually have listened to some of his music after I found out, because uh, I knew like last week that he was going to be uh, kind of the voice of you know Friday Night Football, the CFL on TSN this year. And uh, I listened to some of his songs and I was like, this is good stuff, man. I, like. I had forgotten how good his music was because I haven't listened to a lot of country type stuff in the last uh, couple of years. Cause you know, yeah, you don't... he's the song of the season called what you're made of. Yeah. So. Which I don't think has been released as far as I can tell as of right now, but uh, I'm maybe it'll debut yeah. on August 5th. That'll be the big releases when they go to break maybe. And, uh, and get to use it lots, but shout out to the rec laws as well, uh, because they're not being the song of the season this year or Thursday night football. But the thing is too, and people need to realize this, we're starting the season so much later than we usually do. Yeah, that there is no real Thursday night football because there's only four weeks of Thursday night football, right? Because when you're beginning August 5th, you go weeks one through four, then you hit Labor Day and then the NFL starts and you never yeah. have the NFL against the Thursday nighter of the CFL. So um, so really, there's four weeks of Thursday night football. And then it's just into the usual fall schedule for the CFL, which is Fridays and Saturdays, whether it's a Friday doubleheader and a Saturday doubleheader or a, a single on Friday and a triple header on the Saturday. But yeah, I mean, people should take a look at the schedule and realize that your, your football season's really compact, which means you really got to get out to the stands and watch the games in person if you want a chance to enjoy because it, it is going to go by in the snap of a finger. And I also can't believe that the final week of the regular season is like the final week of November. Like you realize how late we're starting and you realize how late into the, the year we're actually going. And you're like, man, yeah. this, December 12th felt crazy when they said that was going to be the great cup. But then you realize there could be some really crazy scenarios that play out late in the regular season where there's playoff spots up for grabs and we're playing into winter essentially at that point. Yeah. I hope late in the season weather kind of subsides 
and every game is, you know, chilly, but it's not like snowstorm. You're not playing in snowstorms, right? Um, or snow squalls, and you can't see guys down the field. Yeah. Um, and then it would shut up all the CFL fans that say, oh, we have to move the season up, and eventually we might. We have to move the season up because the Great Cup, we're tired of playing in the winter. And it's like, dude, it's Canada. It can snow in September. It can snow in October. It doesn't matter. Weather is weather. By the way, I played golf this week. The night before I teed off, I teed off at 1140 the next day in the morning. It was 100% for thunderstorms. I ended up playing, got a full round in, not a drop of water. <laughs> I'm like, weather people are wrong. I hate to tell you, they're just wrong. Is yeah. it their fault? I don't know. Meteorology, it's wrong. Like it's not 100%. It is a belief system of what might happen. Well, what might happen isn't always what does happen. Now I'm not looking at weather when I book tea times ever again, because it looked like I was going to get four holes in before the rain came and the thunder and lightning and nothing. I, will I say forgot about it. I was on hole 12 and I'm like, man, it's sunny. out. I'm like, it never, <laughs> never rained one bit. Uh, when I was up at the cottage, it said it was supposed to thunderstorm a bunch too. And some days it hit and some days it missed. And some days <laughs> we were a kilometer away from a big bark, uh, big black, uh, dark cloud that was, uh, you know, thunder and like crazy. And we never had a, a drop of rain, but I guess that's what it's like to be up on the lake, right? Is that sometimes yeah. stuff just kind of pushes past and goes on. But um, I do want to uh, wrap up the pod here by playing a clip for you, Kyle, because a bit of a tease into what's coming out tomorrow. This will be on Saturday, July 24th with the Olympics getting underway and us starting the CFL season in less than two weeks. I caught up with Mark Lee, who is just a gem of a person to be able to hang out with and chat with and uh, talk about football with, but also like he broadcasts everything man. he is all over the place with the Olympics. And I have so much respect for his ability. Uh, and, you know, as I go into doing some TV work to think back about some of the people I grew up listening to them do CFL games. And he is absolutely one of the yeah. first that I had great, great respect for. Um, and I, I wanted to interview him for a while, but it, the timing just worked out perfectly where he was essentially between COVID tests before he heads to Japan. Um, to go and, and actually broadcast a series of events. And uh, do you remember the clip that we always have laughed about with Mark Lee, where it is Isn't him, it an old school call? It, yeah, so it, it's not a play-by-play. -play, it's him in studio. Uh, I'll let the clip speak for itself here, because I think if, if you're familiar and you're a longtime listener of our show, you'll know that we think this is one of the funniest clips that exists uh, on the Martian Mellow uh, all-time list of, of hits that we've played a lot for you. I, the last thing I want to ask you here on the way out, Mark, is uh, when I go back through and I watch these old great cups, it's great because sometimes I'll be able to find a version on YouTube uh, that is not just the game itself, but there's some commentary or maybe there's some production on the edges. And when CBC did the great cup classics and they would have, you know, mm -hmm. the, the intro of here's what the great cup was and here's a quick little primer on it. Enjoy. Then they throw on the replay. And at the end of the game, sometimes it would be a lead into, hey, here's what's coming up for you tomorrow. And this there's so many layers to this and i'm so excited to get to ask you this but i have the clip in front of me here i have it in my itunes and it's just labeled as mark lee sign off and i believe that it's for a great cup classic that's from the 1950s or so and it wraps up and it's you standing there with green screen otherwise and saying thanks so much for enjoying our great cup classic uh, excited to be able to bring you great cup saturday coming up tomorrow and then of course it's the big game coming up blah, 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 blah. and at the end this is how you say goodbye to the viewers I'm Mark Lee. Thanks for watching. Have a good sleep. <laughs> have a good sleep is the, the greatest sign-off I think I have ever heard where you are saying it's a Friday night on CBC and you 
it, I just love it because the layers of it is, oh, I know you guys are coming back. Like, I'll, I'll, see, you here. I'll see you here tomorrow. I'll be right here tomorrow. Have a good sleep. Yeah. It, it reminds me of there was a woman that used to work at the Wendy's drive-thru in Kingston, Ontario one day who, when, when we would go through, her thing was always, she would say, there you go. See you tomorrow. And my mom, yeah. would always, my mom would always go, the hell she thinks we're coming back tomorrow and i was like hey listen it's her tagline it's how she's bringing you back but i don't know if you remember <laughs> yeah. that if there's an explanation that matters for that i just love that clip and i laugh at it if i'm in a bad mood i put on mark lee's sign off to have a good sleep <laughs> and it just makes me happy that's funny I, I i totally forgotten about that you know you do so many uh of these classics the week of Grey cup week and and tapings and stuff like that uh but uh that's funny no i I remember doing those, and I and I remember how uh, we always wanted to um, to uh, keep the record alive. You know, the the classics. You know, to to uh, to, to take us back to the fifties and the mud bowls and the fog bowls and the you know and, and and the great athletes. And and that's I think that's what's really important. To, you know, for Canadian football is to is to keep us all in touch with all the great heroes from the past because they've contributed to the, the great history of this game. And, and uh, so for me, I, I became a, a real his, historical kind of buff with, with, with uh, football and Grey Cup. And uh, I remember actually interviewing George Reed uh, when I was in university with a tape recorder and the batteries died. And I got back to the station and it was all like really slow. And I was heartbroken, right? Because uh, he was a hero and he was out of the game. And, but still, you know, those guys, when you meet them uh, 20 years later, right, after they played, they're still bigger than life, right? You, you yeah. still celebrate who they are. And so that was always important to me to, uh, to and I love being part of the classics to, to uh, celebrate uh, the history of this great game. Yeah, I'm with you. And I can't wait if I ever get the opportunity to do any one of those promos on a, on a Grey Cup weekend where we're playing a classic. I am absolutely going to say, have a good sleep. I am going to do that. And it's going to be an ode to Mark Lee and nobody's going to understand it other than you. And I'm going to send you the clip and go there. I finally did it. You and I will both know what's going on. <laughs> Mark, safe travels. Thank you for this. All the best. I know you're going to have a, a blast over there in Japan, despite the fact that there's a lot of stuff surrounding you. You do such a yeah. great job calling all those events, and uh, it's always fun to catch up with you. Marshall, uh, likewise, thanks so much. It's, it's a great to, to chat with you, and hopefully we'll uh, cross paths again this football season on the College Gridiron. I agree. I'm open for that, too. But I was so happy to get to ask Mark Lee about Have a Good Sleep, the all-time great clip that we have used on this show. I have played it several times as we have finished radio shows on TSN Radio across the board. And uh, if you want to hear the full interview, Saturday morning, you can get that in the Canadian Football Perspective podcast feed. Let's wrap up the show for you here today with a little three-minute... I've been negligent lately, Kyle. We haven't been doing the three-minute warning, but I'm, <laughs> we're, we're getting close to football, so I think it's time to blow the whistle here and get a little three-minute warning. And here we go. Get ready! Get ready! Let's go! A little urgency. Here we go! Let's go! We're almost out of here. This is the three-minute warning brought to you by... Brought to you by Failing Car Batteries. Failing Car Batteries, a fun story for you on the day where, oh, no. pe where people say, oh, wow, Mr. Fancy TV Bigwig. Wow. Uh, my, <laughs> here's what happened with my day. Okay. Nobody's uh, ever going to say that about you. People that actually know you know. Yeah, I know. Say um, <laughs> uh, but it's funny because I found out that I was going to end up doing the TV games. And Marlene says, like, you're not going to become like a like a weirdo, right? Like with the TV stuff. And I was like, no. And this is proof of, of what it is like to be me. OK, <laughs> uh, regardless of whatever my job is, I don't have strong enough Wi-Fi at home to download some software that I needed for a different work computer. And so I end up 
having to go to my friend's place. Well, I go out to the car. My car has never given me a single problem. It's a beautiful machine. Battery's dead. Won't move. Okay, well, now I have to jump the car with the cables that I have, thankfully, because I have like an emergency kit in my car because I'm that guy uh, with my fiance's car. So I have to move her car in order to get it in place where the wires can attach. As I do that, unbeknownst to me, a beer bottle rolls underneath my fiance's wheel in the driveway, crushes it, smashes the glass all over the driveway. I don't know where the hell the bottle came from. It's Stella Artois in a green bottle. I don't drink bottles. I drink Sada City Tallboys. So I don't know where the hell that thing came from. Uh, and it crushed underneath. I'm like, fingers crossed that we're not going to end up having uh, her tire go flat or something like that. Then I end up getting the car started, drive down to my friends, download the software that I need, lay for another work call, jump in on that. And then I go back to my car. Okay, great. No, driving it all the way down the mountain in Hamilton didn't charge the battery? Okay, awesome. So now it's dead twice. And now I'm not at home. I call my fiance. She's like, okay, I'll come and get you. Great. Uh, she ends up coming down. I go and buy a couple of slices of pizza at Lava Pizza in Westdale. Shout out to Lava Pizza. They're wonderful people. Great pizza. Always respected. Uh, I end up coming back. I give her the pizza. We put the car in neutral. I push my car in the Food Basics parking lot in Westdale into the proper location to be able to get the charge. We put the cords back on. We re-jump started. Good. The car gets back going. Drive up the hill. Drop it off at the auto shop. As I'm taking things out at the auto shop, I go, where's my bag with the two laptops? in it oh, that, I had, no. that I had in Westdale. Oh, I'm an idiot. I left it sitting in the grass outside of the food basics in Westdale. Hop, <laughs> hop back in the car, drive back down the mountain, go down, call my friend who lives right next to the food basics down there in Westdale in Hamilton. And he says, uh, oh yeah, I went over and I actually found it by not in the grass. It was in the food basics. I had to go. He went inside and a woman at the cash said, oh, yeah, we have that gray bag. Do you know what was inside? We don't want to give it to anybody. He said two laptops and a wallet. And she goes, yep. And then she, he goes, where'd you find this? Oh, somebody brought it over from the school. So it left from the grass, went to the school, got brought over to the food basics. And then he finds it in there and he says, hey, man, everything's in here that I see. And he goes, did you have any money in ah. your wallet? Did you have any money in your wallet? I said, nope. And he goes, yeah, you did 20 bucks and it's still inside here. Your bag traveled around Hamilton for a half an hour probably handled by two or three different people. They didn't take a single thing, yeah. and, and now it's back in your possession. You know why all of this happened? Failed car batteries. That's why they're the presenting sponsor Man. of today's three-minute warning. So I'm a big fancy person. I'm standing in the parking lot, jumping my car for the second time in a yeah. single day. And I said to Marlene, hey, remember when you said, uh, don't be weird about the TV stuff? Well, don't I look fancy now standing here pushing my own car around? <laughs> okay, so <laughs> a couple of things before we call it quits. One, definitely some sort of theft remorse like somebody took the bag and realized am i a horrible person for taking anything out of here no oh. i'm just gonna leave the bag and then that bag i ended up back in and uh food basics um so that's one thing two i'm glad you mentioned about your internet because people that don't know your internet at home is not fantastic awful I, I forgot to say at the end of last week's show shout out to ryan jansen because it's the best audio we've ever had on our show <laughs> and you never froze your video on our zoom call never froze uh, once at the cottage I, so I'm... shout out to ryan jansen and you should definitely hook up with ryan in terms of finding out what provider he's with to I, get you in hamilton i i asked him uh, exactly <laughs> where he got his wi-fi from and he said we just use a wi-fi booster and we steal it from my friend who owns cottages behind the house i'm like oh so it's not even your wi-fi okay great and it was great oh yeah it was incredible <laughs> and somehow i was in the basement of a cottage and it worked better than ever but 
what a tangled web we weave. It is another yeah. crazy week. We thank you for tuning in here on the show and having some laughs with us and uh, having some fun. We hope that you tune in throughout the CFL season as we get closer and closer. Don't forget those promo codes, of course, fox40shop.com. Use the promo code CFP15 to get 15% off all your whistle needs. And, of course, CFL, free shipping in Ontario, must be of legal drinking age at sawdustcitybeer.com. If you drink their tall boys, I promise they won't roll underneath your wheel and try to destroy your wife's tires. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have yourselves a great weekend. I'm Mark Lee. Thanks for watching. And have a good sleep. Let's see if we can make some lemonade out of this lemon that we're in the middle of. Turn a red light into a green light. Just keep living.